Good afternoon. It's time again for another episode of Never Punt, Comma, Never Parlay. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, here on Tuesday afternoons from now till the end of the season. Uh, and alongside me, I have my co-host and my friend, Douglas Farmer. Douglas, how are you? Parker, I'm doing pretty well. I found a nickel in the hallway. We went 5-1 and one last weekend. It feels good to put together those kinds of things. You went 2-0 and oh on weeknights. I think that's 5-0 and oh in your last five weeknight plays. We're going to keep that going today. These are all good things. I'm not going to point out that we're 24-14 and 14 and the Brad Powers, Joey Kinnish show, also here on the Hit the Books HQ Network, is a little not that good. I'm not going to point that out. I'm going to be humble. We're gonna We're just going to keep moving forward. Well, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just happy to get wins whenever they come. And I know that the variance monster comes for all of us. So enjoying riding high while, while it happens and know that uh, this is a, a game of ups and downs. And hopefully we can make the ups higher than the downs and, and limit the downs when they inevitably come to all of us. Yeah, five and one last week. Pretty, pretty good um, for, for, again, just some free plays on a Tuesday afternoon, kind of selecting there and, and feeling pretty, pretty locked in about those, uh, those weeknight plays and have a couple more, more for you. This week, it is fun, Douglas, because we do get football on uh, Tuesday through Saturday. Just uh, just as much college football as you could ever want starting now for the rest of the season, which is a whole lot of fun. I think you have a play on one of those games tonight. Uh, maybe I'm saying that right. I, um, I do. I do. You want me to hit that now? Should oh, we get see. that right out of no, the way since no, the no. game kicks off in Let's three hours? Let's let's do our normal cadence and we'll go to that one first in the picks. I just uh, that just caught my eye as I was here on the on the sheet. Uh, before we get into our recap, very very quickly, we'll say hit the books HQ, part of the Hammer uh, Network. A lot of fun content made over there. There's a lot of cool stuff. Producer Zach, who's filling in today uh, for producer Jacob, who's off traversing the world and enjoying it. Uh, Zach has some some hockey content. He's starting up. We were talking about that before the show. Lots of cool stuff over there. Uh, so make sure you follow this channel. Make sure you go check out the Hammer HQ on Twitter, and uh, you can find sports betting, gaming, uh, analytics content kind of all over all over the internet. So lots of fun there. Um, Douglas, last week not too bad. Couple games that I think stood out. Um, where do you want to start as we recap? I think we have to start with the four-letter word. Parker, is Texas but bleep? Is Texas but bleep? I don't know. I don't know if it is. I don't know if you can claim to be the B word when you go two of seven on quality drives in the biggest game of your season. I don't know how you can claim to be that good of quality when you average three points per quality drive in your biggest rivalry game. Yeah, really, really rough there. Goal line stand didn't work out. I really thought at the beginning, Oklahoma kind of came out rabid and Texas kind of came out flat. And uh, it was it was really hard. I think Texas in practice this week was like, we're going to take care of business. And Oklahoma just, you know, uh, took, a, took a bunch of crazy for breakfast every day. And uh, they came out and got ahead early, got, got a lot of momentum in their favor. And then Texas was playing from behind. Uh, I thought Texas had sealed it. But again, I think they kind of messed up their in-game management there and gave Dylan Gabriel um, – an opportunity to come back. Looking at that, Oklahoma's slightly better in success rate. You can attribute that difference in success rate to literally a couple plays at the goal line. So in my power ratings, I bumped up Oklahoma two points. I, I brought Texas down two points. Still would that game happen again this weekend at a neutral site? I would have Texas minus four and a half. So uh, Oklahoma certainly a better performance. feel like one of Texas's um, worst games, even as they got some positive variance on the uh, – on the special team side to, to keep things close there, but did expect a lot more out of Texas. We did talk about preseason. They have a long leash because they do have that win over Alabama that is aging better 
and better, but they are behind the eight ball. Um, some might argue that if you want to play a team twice um, or if you have to play a team twice, you'd, you'd rather get the loss out of the way because it's hard to beat them twice in a row. I think that's not very good probabilistic thinking, but I understand the sentiment behind it. And uh, Texas is going to have to earn their dinner when it comes to playoff and uh, national championship and Big 12, all of which we had, we had talked about with, with futures. Oh, I think maybe we lost Douglas. Um, and so I'm going to keep going. Until he comes back, here we go. Uh, maybe I'm getting him here. Parker, uh, can you hear of, me, or have I gone completely AWOL on us? No, I've got you. I've got you back now, and I was just moving over to talk about that. Speaking of that Bama um, win that Texas has, uh, Alabama, man, what do we talk about? Nick Saban just refuses to die. Uh, they they beat A and M in a game that uh, again was close, but the better team got the uh, advantage. Um, in, you know, uh, a uh, safety, had a couple short field touchdowns and really just kind of leaned on them. And, and Alabama came away with the win and with the cover, uh, depending on when you bet that game and where you bet that game. But um, yeah, Bama seems very, very much alive. I still feel good about having plus money on Saban to win the SEC West at the beginning of the season. Douglas, is, is Bama the team to beat in the SEC? Uh, in the SEC, no, that's still Georgia. In the SEC West, perhaps. I I still worry, though. 26 sacks on the season is not – sacks are going to catch up to this team. Jalen Milrow had a, had a good game, 21 of 33, 300 yards, three touchdowns, but you can't keep taking that, that many sacks, and I think that's going to be a problem. Their schedule sets up well. You get LSU at home in November, but I'm a little worried about that offensive line. Yeah, and their ability to hold up as they kind of turn from maybe we've got an opportunity to take advantage of a down Alabama to, hey, we've got to prepare really seriously to, to upset an Alabama. I wonder what that does for the political economy of the SEC West there. Um, Douglas, speaking of teams that, that might be there and speaking of futures that are aging pretty well, Louisville, again, doesn't really help us with the SEC, but in terms of legitimacy, Louisville kind of took Notre Dame behind the woodshed. I disagree with behind the woodshed. Notre Dame played a sloppy game. Notre Dame got behind in game state and never really recovered. But if you look at the old Parker Fleming, did you really get beat that bad? I did that math myself by hand before you even put it out to confirm my hunch. Notre Dame lost that game in a 16-13 manner, not a 33-20 manner. I am still going to be skeptical about Louisville. They uh, Notre Dame gifted them three short fields. Three three and outs later, Louisville kicks three field goals. That's not the kind of offense that is going to continue a 12 and 0 type season. I don't care what the schedule looks like. You can't make that kind of inefficiency, that kind of ineffectiveness is not going to sustain across the season. It certainly, certainly feels like they are skating on uh, on thin ice. Um, I think if we look at their schedule the rest of the way, though, they are very, very fortunate. The only yes. really, I mean. They, 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 again, if, if we're just looking at where they've gone and where, where they've got to go, they've got Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, but again, that's a down team. They'll take a bye week before Duke, which is nice. They get Duke at home, uh, Virginia tech up and down, but shouldn't be a problem. Virginia up and down. Shouldn't be a problem. And then you've just got to survive Miami 
um, and and hope that no one gets hurt against Kentucky. The Kentucky game almost doesn't even matter for that. We're looking at three real games for the rest of the season for um, Louisville here with Duke, Miami, and Virginia Tech, or excuse me, and uh, Kentucky, and only two of those matter for the ACC. And they'll be able to lose one of those games, I think, and still get towards the top there, pending a little bit of help. So certainly breaks out well. And again, I'm looking in November to hedge um, that Louisville uh, that Louisville uh, future or flyer i think on the on the uh, championship there so the you're gonna did work out pretty well you're gonna be hoping that maybe riley leonard is questionable that week and you can get a duke as a three and a half point underdog type of situation to to really set you up as a nice hedge out i'm making that up on the spot here but that's a feasible possibility yep that will be really really nice um and uh, yeah, you've got that. And then you can just go straight against in Miami and Kentucky and hope that you get those as well with a little bit of math there. But yeah, the Riley Leonard injury, especially is well-timed. If he can't play for that game, I think they should be able to handle them. And then they're really, really looking ahead of the eight ball there. So a nice advantageous situation for Louisville, the team, and also for anyone who was in on them as a uh, potential rebound for the uh, future as well. A um, couple other games across the country as we keep it snappy here. Um, how about speaking of zombies? Uh, I think we talked about Alabama won't die. Jacksonville State, Douglas, would you take the? Uh, I mean, what what number would you take against anyone? I mean, Jacksonville State in the second half there. It's amazing. Two two things about this are amazing. One, they're getting outplayed in the first half. Um, they absolutely are. And then they're second, dominated they're in the first half, making adjustments at the halftime and overcoming it. It's incredible. Uh, I don't know if we have a team that has a bigger disadvantage of talent and advantage in coaching than Jacksonville state, but man, they are making a lot of fun uh, out of, or, or making these weeknight games a whole lot of fun have been very, very stressful. I'm not going to do it this week. I'm not betting them this week. I can't take it. My heart, my heart pressure can't take or, or my blood pressure can't take it anymore, but uh, they have been really, really nice to me the last couple of weeks in, in a game where I think they, they did outmatch their opponent, even if they kind of got behind the sticks. You've got a quick play on this one. I mentioned earlier, um, this Jacksonville state app state game. What are you, what are you going to go on there with there? Nope. It's not Jacksonville state app state, but I included it in our notes here oh. because I wanted to get this Tuesday night game. It kicks off in three hours and 19 minutes. I wanted to get that up early. Jacksonville state plays tonight. Appalachian State place tonight. That's why I'm just making sure we get oh, this game two... rattled off early. Perfect. I knew that sounded wrong. I had no idea why it was. It said App State right after that. This this the screen the time the text is too little for me. Um, okay, so you've got it's just you've got to play to get this play in. Let's get it in because we want people to be able to Appalachian grab State. It. Appalachian State is a four and a half point favorite at Bet Rivers slash Sugar House against Coastal Carolina. That line was six this morning. It's fallen to five and a half and five. So if you shop around, you all heard me preach it before. You shop around, you can snipe this four and a half at Sugar House. And that's why we always remind folks the easiest way to improve as a sports better is to use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. We recommend using an odds comparison tool like Betstamp. Betstamp.app slash hit the books if you want to give us a little bit of support. Doesn't cost you anything. Just makes us look good. I'm taking that four and a half. One, shopping. I'm getting a... That's a nice spot to slide in. If it was six this morning, getting four and a half. I'm in my mind, that line movement is simply the fact that this is a Tuesday night game. Lines haven't been up for 48 hours. There's going to be some day of movement that, that is effectively just normal week movement. Coastal Carolina doesn't do anything particularly well. Whereas Appalachian State 
I would argue it has the best two units on the field in its pass defense and its pass offense. That pass offense should eat against Coastal Carolina's rather shoddy pass defense, number 95 in the country for Coastal Carolina. Add in there that Appalachian State has the number 30 echo rate in the country. More, more than half of Appalachian State's drives end in scoring opportunities. That alone gives me confidence in the home favorite here to take care of business against a Coastal Carolina. The fall has been quick and sad, and it's unfortunate, but it is now a down program all of a sudden. Give me the home favorite against a team scuffling like Coastal Carolina. Uh, I like that play a lot. My number is a little bit closer to it, so I didn't have one on it, but I, I get that, and I certainly get, get fading Coastal. Pretty big downgrade from what they were last season. Um, we'll have a couple more plays. We'll get to those here in a minute. I do want to. I do want to finish and wander our way through this recap here, as well. Um, Absolutely. And I want to. I want to point out a couple of mine that I thought were interesting because there were some implications. One, fading Illinois, pretty decent strategy. Um, turns out Nebraska is again, you know, just they were quietly or they were loudly incompetent, and now they're they're quietly moving towards competence against worst teams. Illinois is certainly a worse team. So feel good about that one. Comfortable the entire time. Didn't have to sweat. Um, the one that got me this week, Fresno State. And I'm not going to blame it on Mikey Keene's ankle because I don't know the status of that. I'm going to blame it on betting against Craig Bull at home. I think that, you know what, sometimes the trends are trends for a reason. And um, Fresno State really, really didn't even have a chance in this one, despite what it looked like. That second quarter offense was inspired. And you really, for, for Wyoming, and you really never know at what point, you know, a coaching staff just saw something, was able to take advantage of it before Fresno could recover. And that turned out to be the difference in the game and the difference in the play there. So pretty rough. I think that, I mean, it takes New Year's Six off the table for Fresno. It doesn't take not much championship, but it um, is interesting to me because Wyoming is ahead of the eight ball for the Mountain West championship. And we talked about a flyer plus 1800 for the Cowboys there. Looks like Craig Bowles is... Coaching those boys up, even if they have a quarterback who is not exactly a quarterback. So uh, an easy win, a hard loss for me this weekend, but two that, that were really, really informative as to what we should do in the future in that, hey, let's trust Wyoming a little bit more. And hey, let's trust Illinois a little bit less. And then I, I put together a, a surprising 3-0 week in part because I went back to the Iowa well. Iowa burned me a week ago by not going for the late cover, even though they have incentive to. This week, they didn't need a late cover. They just took care of business against Purdue. They Iowa'd Purdue. If you look at the old Parker Fleming, did we really get beat that bad chart? Iowa got beat that bad, but with Iowa, that doesn't matter. Math isn't real in, in the Hawkeye State. And then Old Dominion took care of business against Southern Mississippi. Again, you, the net success rate, Old Dominion lost, but Southern Miss needed a punt return for a touchdown. Southern Miss averaged 2.5 yards per carry, 276 total yards. I really enjoyed that game as, as it wasn't a, a runaway, but I didn't sweat it for a moment. Real nice way to put together a 5 and one weekend for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, checking in on a couple of futures. Um, UTSA thought they were dead. They might not be dead on a uh, an AAC win um, there, uh, an insane game. I think that they allowed Temple to throw for 472 yards and still won decisively. Uh, don't see that every day, but uh, yeah, you've got a, you had a flyer on UTSA to win the AAC, correct? It's it's a hefty flyer to my memory. I, I went in oh, on yeah. that. I got it at plus 470. Some plus 600s exist now. So obviously the, the trends went against me, but that was all because of Frank Harris's turf toe. 
He went 25 or 33 for 338 yards and three touchdowns, added a rushing touchdown. Turf toe is very much an injury that needs complete time off. You can't fight through it. Now, as long as that doesn't get re-aggravated, I really feel like I'm in good position again with UTSA. My, all my thoughts are still in play and because most of them were based on Frank Harris. And then another future yep. we should mention, we mentioned Jacksonville State earlier. You know what was real special about that comeback win that you enjoyed this weekend on, on that weeknight? It got you the overwin total early October, and they clear the four and a half wins at plus money. Well done, Parker. Yeah, what if what if Rich Rod really is one of the better coaches in America? I, I, it's uh, it's great to see it, and again, good for that one to cash. That one felt that one felt pretty lined up in the chamber, and uh, and so um, I, I, I'm happy to get it. Happy to not have to sweat it. Didn't think I was going to have to sweat it, so that feels pretty pretty good as we transition here and talk about games this week want to remind you uh if you're not subscribed if you haven't liked the video do both of those things also hop into the comments if you're here and uh, want to chat um tell us about what you're playing tell us about your best bets hop in there would love to hear from you as well uh producer zach is uh is is got his eyes on those comments so maybe we can throw one or two up here if we've got a question at the end and have a little bit of time that being said, let's go ahead and go to uh, games this week. A big one, Douglas. One of the bigger ones we've had this entire season. Oregon at Washington. The Huskies are a three-point home favorite. The total 67. Um, it is, I mean, 3.30 afternoon, ABC, Knicks versus Penix, heavyweight title bout, Pac-12 eliminator match. Uh, this one is a lot of fun. Number one in EPA per play margin versus number two in EPA per play margin. Just a, a really, really strong uh, future Big Ten matchup here. My my only note on this game is fun. I'm just looking forward to watching this. I've got a Washington Pac-12 future. I'm obviously going to hope for that. But mostly, sometimes you just get a football game where you have to acknowledge it's going to be fun to watch. We're going to learn from it. We're going to gauge which one of these teams has a flaw that we just haven't had a chance to see yet, but I'm going to have fun watching it. I did note this morning, you put out a, a rather surprising, if not scary number on this game. Yeah, um, I, I I have Oregon here. And again, this is, I throw it in the computer of the system over time. And so it's not like I went through and handicapped this personally and wrote it down. But again, according to the metrics that that generally work pretty well here, um, Oregon is, is about a touchdown better than Washington. Now, of course, you got to throw that out when we go to um, rivalry games here. But uh, was was very surprising to me. One, one I'm interested in, I, I, I like taking an underdog in this spot, especially because... Um, they lost last year in such heartbreaking fashion. So there's a little bit of revenge here. Uh, and so I could totally understand an Oregon play. Um, even if I'm not taking it here, I think it's a little, uh, it makes me, makes me a little nervous, get a little sweaty when I'm thinking about it, but I, I I'm really excited to watch this game. And, and I mean, just from a fan perspective, see how the offenses hold up and specifically Washington's defense is what to watch here. They're 19th in EPA per play on defense. That's the worst unit on the field here. How are they going to be able to hold up? If this thing gets shootouty? Does Oregon have enough firepower to keep up with Washington, who we've shown can just throw it and throw it and throw it and throw it and throw it? It's a lot of fun when the worst unit on the field is the 19th best in its job. Like that's that 
it's just going to be a fun game. I'm going to make sure to be well set up to watch this, if not in entirety, as much of it as I can on Saturday. If I'm, if it's not an entirety, it's going to, I'm going to have to be dodging some rain, getting into a, a primetime game in South Bend. Notre Dame, a two-and-a-half-point favorite against USC. My future has aged poorly. Back in August, I, I saw USC as a pick and I took it. That thought was uh, initially inspired by one Joey Kanish. So I'm, I'm not going to blame Joey, but we're going to at least acknowledge that source material. It's going to be a rainy and messy and cold game. Highs, high 40s about kickoff, 15-plus mile-per-hour northern winds, rain likely. It's going to be messy if you want to handicap the weather. Dusk here has already said he's following the rain this weekend for some games. It, can SoCal boys handle some cold? I, I, you, you can wonder that. It's, it's a game of a movable object, USC's defense, against a stoppable force, Notre Dame's offense. That side of the ball is, is it's going to be a study in, in aptitude. Yeah, and, and again, what do we say about Notre Dame? A.T. Perry's not walking through that door. It really does feel like they're struggling to find dudes outside, even if the run game is good and better than it was last year. What's the problem? If you're still one-dimensional, they can they can key in and kind of stop you. And, and that's what we saw in the Ohio State game. We talked about, hey, if you can just limit Estime and not let him get that, you know, 40 yard run or whatever it, it, it's it's hard and, and when they get bottled up like that it is it is really really tough to get going that being said usc is not playing anything remotely close to what could be considered championship defense 58th in epa per play and i'm sure audrick estime is is looking his chops as they are 68th in epa per rush allowed and 81st in rushing success rate allowed there for uh usc so we'll be interesting to see um, in kind of a worse on worse matchup between uh, USC's defense and Notre Dame's offense, who prevails? I'd give a slight edge to Notre Dame there, even if I have this game as a coin flip. My two phrases all summer were I'll believe in Notre Dame's receivers when I see them, and I'll believe in USC's defense when I see it. In theory, one of those comes to be reality, but it's also quite possible that Audric Estimate eats in the rain. Another name to keep in mind, uh, if, if you hear the name Jeremiah Love early, he's the fastest Notre Dame running back. If he starts finding seams in the on the turf early on, that's a name to file away. There's a version of this where Notre Dame runs through USC and we see neither the defense nor the, nor the Notre Dame receivers, which, which we'll just go through the whole season not believing in either one. Yeah, yeah, we may not get any definitive information about this, uh, either of those units. Another beefy game with with serious implications here. It's it's the it's the Big Ten West Championship game. Can we just say that Iowa at Wisconsin is the Big Ten West Championship game? Uh, Luke Fickle and Phil Longo are a ten point favorite at home, um, which is very very stout. Uh, excited to see this Wisconsin offense and see if they can test and spread out the Iowa defense, but also very excited to see Wisconsin's defense is no joke. 23rd in EPA per play. That Iowa offense is 133rd, in, or excuse me, 131st in EPA per play. Um, can Wisconsin separate enough in kind of the down-to-down business to get rid of the Iowa voodoo and take care of business here? I've got it as about seven, but uh, a really, really beefy matchup that, 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 again, should decide the Big Ten West and really kind of a litmus test for how much Iowa can Iowa get away with and still be in the conversation for national competition. I don't have these in front of me. Can you look real quick there on your sheet, Wisconsin's EPA against the pass? Uh, Allowed is 30th. They're 30th, 0.103. 
My notes all season have been Wisconsin is a quality team in all facets except against good passing offenses. Early in the season, a few of those exploited the Badgers. You know what you don't have to worry about against Iowa? The pass at all. They won't, they won't throw the ball more than 12 times if they don't have to, and that might be too much, especially with the backup quarterback, who is a former Badger. So the Wisconsin knows his limitations. This game, uh, 10 is a big number for a game with a total of 36. 10 is a very big number with a game with a total of 36, but it could be 21 to 7, quite frankly. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I could see this being extremely beefy. I saw at one point there was a total that was – um, 37, we're looking at 36 live right now. I mean, just could be absolutely beefy. Will be a lot of fun. A couple interesting games, I think, that are that are around there before we get to picks here, and we'll get to these briefly. Um, Wyoming and Air Force. Again, Mountain West, uh, Mountain West implications there um, for sure. And and can Wyoming do it back-to-back weeks? Um, that's a 10, minus, minus 10 and a half for Air Force there. This is what I have circled, Douglas, because pace issues are so interesting here. I have Air Force as a big favorite, but I don't know what the pace is going to look like. Both of these teams towards the bottom of the nation in rush rate over expected, uh, both very good at finishing drives, but I don't, I don't really know how we're going to land with, with how beefy these, uh, or how slow this tempo might be. It's a very good point, and it's it's similar to that Wisconsin game. When you have a total that low or a, a quite possibly a slow pace, needing to cover by 10.5 gets difficult. I'm not going to play this game because I'm sitting in a real nice position with an Air Force future on the, to win the Mountain West, and that kind of, at this point, feels like it hangs on this game. Win here, and it, I feel like Air Force is pretty much into the Mountain West Championship, so I'm just going to hang out and sit on that one. Then there's there's two great Sunbelt matchups, and we just want to, when there's two great Group of five conference games. We want to note them. Marshall at Georgia State. Georgia State's favored by one or a pick them. And Georgia Southern at James Madison. JMU favored by four. Those are both going to be real fun games. And if you've got a chance to tune into those, do so. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being two of the better games this weekend, even despite us mentioning Oregon, Washington, USC, Notre Dame. Later on, we're going to get to North Carolina, Miami. Those Sunbelt games have my eye. Yeah, some really good matchups in the Sun Belt. If you're not watching Sun Belt football this year, you're missing out on some really fun games. So both of those are certainly worth noting. All right, Douglas, we've already given out one uh, from for a Tuesday night play, so I want to make sure we got that out earlier. But we have five more plays this week, uh, two for you and three for me. I'll go ahead and go first because uh, that way it'll be a little more balanced in the back and forth. Um, I'm going to start here with going back to the well. I'm going to go Southern Methodist, SMU. Uh, verse East Carolina. That game is on Thursday. SMU is currently minus 11 and a half, minus 110 at FanDuel is the, the best that I have seen. Um, looks like that's gone. Oh, no, it's still there. Okay, that's great. Um, so we've got 11 and a half there. Uh, SMU 49th in EPA per play margin. ECU really, really bad. 117th in offense, 86th on defense. Don't have the physicality of, say, a Charlotte which a couple weeks ago was able to kind of stall things against SMU, specifically the pass defense for ECU 123rd. This offense is not going to be able to hang on uh, against SMU. SMU's defense hasn't been great. The offense hasn't been finishing drives super well. But uh, I think against ECU here, it'll click, and the ECU offense will be so inept uh, that I really do think that SMU is going to cover. You've got ECU at 31st in rush rate over expected, so they're passing a ton. SMU at 63rd, uh, so they're passing a good amount as well. I expect SMU to, to pull away pretty handily here. So going to ride with the Mustangs on a weeknight game against East Carolina. 
And again, not that these are really not, not that this is really a handicapping trend. You're five and zero oh in your last five weeknight games. Let's keep that cooking. This game, I, I when, you, when it came through that you were making this game, my immediate thought was, oh, East Carolina is just that bad, and that's that, that might be the entire handicap you need. I saw you've got it at much bigger than eleven and a half, so you're feeling pretty confident in that play, and I absolutely understand it every step of the way. Um, yep. And, and again, just trying to go back to what is safe and what is good here. Um, SMU against, against bad competition has been pretty good and, and competition that's not necessarily physical along the lines. So uh, looks like a pretty good one. What's your, uh, what's your second play here? My second play is one that if folks were to jump in the comments and drag us both a little bit, we deserve it because Jacksonville state is already a win total. That's home for you. North Carolina under eight and a half is already a win total that is lost for both of us. The Tar Heels are out to a 5-0 start, and we, we're – no, 6-0, I believe. It's lost. I, I've lost track of it. No, it's 5-0. 6-0, doesn't matter. I know it was lost, and we both look like fools. The way to make up for that, the way to make that money back is to hop on North Carolina moving forward. Heels are favored by 3.5 against Miami this week. Last I saw, it was available at neg 108 on DraftKings. If I get that beautiful number, great. If I'm getting neg 110, I'm also okay with that. I want the heels at three and a half, four. I'm good with it. Your numbers disagree with me. And usually when your numbers disagree with me, I really think things through. And I don't care this time. Because Miami's defense is spending the first part of this week in its feelings. Miami's defense is spending the first part of this week cursing its coaches. We all know how bad my you know what maybe we don't all know let's go ahead and laugh for a moment at mario cristobal doing the worst thing a head football coach aside from stepping onto the field and tackling a player that might be the biggest mistake a coach can make in a football game should be kneeling out the clock game can be over and instead running actual plays turning the ball over georgia tech wins at the buzzer um i also think it's further compounded by not pressing the issue of a review on that last play I'm, I, I think, yes, you should have kneeled, but running it there, I think there's a, a compelling argument that we should have reviewed that last play as well, and, and maybe that would have taken care of the issue. But yeah, disastrous end-of-game sequence for Miami here. Um, do you think Miami comes out and, and has a vendetta and says we need, to, we need to fix things? I don't know. Their metrics have been good all season, but it's certainly, certainly easy to say, hey, they're going to be down just because of this disaster that happened last week and, and that UNC might keep this thing rolling. So uh, I do get that. I, I have um, Miami, uh, Miami covering, but you, uh, UNC outright there. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I really don't have a strong lean either way, but I can understand the angle from the standpoint of Miami and, and what they're feeling. Well, let me go ahead and add on here. North Carolina is four and one against the spread this year. The one was to Appalachian state, the four they've covered all of them by more than 10 points. Miami, Lost to Georgia Tech despite having a, a plus 15% and a success rate difference. That's how North Carolina handled Syracuse. North Carolina did it 40 to 7. The real issue for Miami should be that this game, that, that game against Georgia Tech, was that close despite having a differential in play that could lead to a 20, 25 point win. Instead, it was within a possession. That should be the biggest concern for Miami. It goes beyond that last play, whether it should have been reviewed. And that's where I, I sign off on Miami for the next few weeks. Yep. 
makes makes a lot of sense there um, and, and, and good angles on that. Uh, I'm going to go to another Power 5 game, game that wasn't Power 5 last year, but could be affectionately called the Dana Holgerson Bowl. Um, I like West Virginia against Houston here. Minus 3, 110 at, uh, at DraftKings. That's another Thursday play. And again, there's nothing to this mojo. I've just liked some of these midweek markets and felt like they are... Um, uh, a little bit soft. Uh, and, you know, I'll say that and I'll go 0 and 2 on my weeknight plays this week. But um, West Virginia, you know, pretty consistent on offense, even if not explosive, uh, and particularly in the run game, 51st in rushing success rate, 35th in EPA per rush. Houston is allowing 102nd worst EPA per rush overall. West Virginia is rushing 123rd most in the nation, uh, excuse me, passing 123rd most. So 123rd rush rate over expected, 9.6 percentage points above average. Um, slight field position advantage for West Virginia. The defensive advantage certainly against West Virginia. Houston's pass game has been very erratic, 102nd in pass success rate, whereas West Virginia has really been able to stop the uh, the pass. They're sixth in success rate allowed. So I think that um, that's going to be a pretty good matchup for West Virginia. I think I have this closer to 10 points. West Virginia is something they haven't been in a couple of years, which is annoying. And uh, I think that Houston struggling last last dying breaths of this Houston program against uh, against uh, Texas Tech last week. So I'm going to ride with the Mountaineers to keep this going. Uh, they, they should win this pretty comfortably on a Thursday night against a disinterested Houston team. We'll see it get physical. Uh, give me the Mountaineers minus three for my second play. I don't know how much of this is noise and how much of this is signal, but the Big 12 newcomers are 1-8 in Big 12 play, and the one was against a fellow newcomer. There's something to be said there about this step up in competition. Again, I don't know how much of that is noise and how much of that is signal, but an opportunity like this against an annoying team like West Virginia, there's a value there. I completely see thoughts in it, and it's something I'm keeping an eye on moving forward. Yeah, uh, and, and I think we've seen kind of the jump from big five, uh, from 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 group of five to power five here, um, and uh, yeah, and, and it bears out in the numbers and the plays there. And we've seen Houston, especially the second half of games, falter. Uh, I think that that's going to give us a lot. Uh, here for West Virginia, whose depth is is pretty good as you saw against TCU and they lost a couple of starters and still were dominant in that second half. All right, you've got one more play. I've got one more play. Why don't you start and uh, we will uh, we'll get both of these out here on the board. This is a game where I'm confounded by the spread being so close. I recognize it's probably within the right power ratings numbers and all of that, but how is Ohio favored by less than a touchdown at Northern Illinois? Ohio handled its business last week and in what could have been a look-ahead spot just because Kent State is terrible. So I'm assuming that's going to continue to be the case moving forward. Ohio is on a mission. It's looking great. It's 4-0 against the spread against FBS teams when it has Curtis Rourke. It's covering those games by an average of more than eight points. And in this instance, I'm even more focused on Ohio's defense than I am on Curtis Rourke. Northern Illinois' offense is a struggle. Northern Illinois in general is a struggle, but its offense especially. It's achieving quality drives fewer than 30, less than 30% of the time. It's That ranks 127 in the country. Ohio's defense holds opponents out of quality drives more than two-thirds of the time number 22 in the country. And then on top of that, Ohio allows only two points per quality drive. 
partly because of an excellent third down defense. So I'm looking at Ohio's defense to really shut down Northern Illinois and Curtis work just to do what Curtis work does when he's healthy and good to go, which he has been since our scare back in week zero, when you and I were suffering in misery together over that game, that alone, those, those two aspects on both sides of the ball, how is this within a touchdown? I don't understand. And I'll take the, I'll take the opportunity to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I like it. And um yeah, Northern Illinois seems like a very high variance team, but in a bad way, where it's just either they're on or they're not. And and if they're on or they're not, does seem to matter a whole lot uh, who they're playing there this season. So makes a lot of sense with a good good action play. Got some nice coverage here with with some weeknight games and some action games and a little Sun Belt. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, my last play is going to be Big Twelve again. I've got two Big Twelves and an SMU, so I'm very regionally biased in my plays this week, but. Um, I'm going to take BYU plus 5.5. That's minus 109 at Bet Rivers. They're playing at TCU. It's TCU's homecoming, but a couple just immediate factors before you even talk about the stats. One, um, it's uh, BYU's coming off a bye week, and uh, I think that's a really, really good spot for them, too. TCU starting quarterback Chandler Morris is out. Their backup situation is, is tenuous, might be a compliment there uh, for what TCU's got playing uh, the backup quarterback position. Additionally, TCU just cannot score the ball. They, they're 87th in points per quality possession. It is persistent. It is not just that they're missing field goals. It's that they're getting into these third and 12 situations in these um, red zone opportunities and just absolutely not scoring. So BYU's offense, not great. Not going to lie about that. Not great. Getting a little bit better. Slovis is clicking a little bit, but still pretty rough. TCU's defense, 56th in the nation in EPA per play. So they certainly can be taken advantage of. And if this BYU defense can shut down this TCU offense like they should be able to, no reason BYU couldn't win outright, let alone cover five and a half there. So going to take a road dog in BYU off the bye playing at TCU for my final play today. Um I was, yeah, I think that's the first I time I've been on the TCU game thoughts on that. I was curious to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, my notes were clear out because it's Parker and, and the Big 12 is where you know best. Uh, like I said earlier, about the newcomers are 1-8 and eight straight up in conference play, and you just said BYU might get this outright, but it sounds to me like you are more fading TCU than you are tailing BYU. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I still don't know um... – I still don't know that uh, BYU is good. I still have them power ranked kind of in that big middle class of the Big 12. But I do know that TCU is in a bad situation, especially with losing that quarterback. So a little bit more of fading TCU, a little bit more just haven't seen as much pop from them and the injury than it is, you know, a BYU resurgence. It's a little bit more atrophy than it is BYU improving at all. I'm going to have to think about this one before I jump in with you because uh, BYU's last two games were, were those fluke covers, kind of nonsense covers, the the margins of the game all breaking their way, and that sets up a thought of extra va- overvalue on them moving forward. But you're getting a reasonable number here, five and a half. Maybe I'm going to sit back and hope to see a six, and then I'll I'll ride in with you. I'm, I am I was very curious to hear. You fading TCU makes more sense to me than, than anybody tailing BYU at this point. And I did see it's, I it's it. It's almost the same Herman bet as the, the Cincinnati one. It, it's almost the same bet as the Cincinnati one a couple weeks ago. Where it's like, I don't think BYU is good. I just don't think Cincinnati's good, and they're playing at elevation. Like, I don't like that. This is not elevation, but it's, hey, I don't think BYU is good. It's, I think TCU is pretty bad, and they're starting quarterbacks out. Uh, and they're a little bit disillusioned after losing a couple winnable games. So, um, yeah, that's 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 definitely the play there. 
We had William Herman throw that one in the chat long before you got to it. So he's on a right thought. He also put one in the chat that was probably my number four pick this week that I didn't go with. Michigan State, Rutgers. Rutgers is a five and a half point favorite. I strongly considered it. I held off just because Michigan State is most vulnerable against the pass. That's not something Rutgers is excelling in. Rutgers should win that game. Rutgers should just put Michigan State in misery, but I held off just because the greatest weakness, the greatest reason to fade Michigan State is not applicable this week. Which is? Say that again? Wait, you said the biggest you said the biggest reason to not fade Michigan State is not applicable this week? I was setting you up. I thought I was teeing, I thought I was yes anding you. You you heard you heard one extra word. The biggest reason to fade Michigan State is not applicable this week. The reason to I fade Michigan that was State like... is the passing defense is the passing defense, and Rutgers is not. Rutgers can throw the ball, but it's not his strength. You want to fade Michigan State against Wisconsin or Maryland or Penn State teams that throw the ball, not Rutgers. I like that. I like that uh, idea. I thought that was like, Parker is so dumb. And then I was supposed to say, how dumb is he? And then you were going to come home with something. I just totally, I totally messed that up there. Happens to Classic the Classic joke us. set up. We botch it early on. The good news is Douglas, our plays are going well and uh, and the content is good. So I feel great about that. Even if I botch a joke here, let's go ahead and get a little recap and, uh, and get out of here. Tell me your plays for this week. I started off with the pipe shoeing Appalachian State Mountaineers take care of business tonight, just a few hours, fewer than three hours from now, four and a half point favorites against Coastal Carolina. I'm fading Coastal for a long time now. It's it's not going to go well for the Chanticleers this season. I've got North Carolina, but three and a half against Miami. Miami's going to be in his feelings. We're not giving enough credit, somehow not giving enough credit to North Carolina and Drake May. That team has been rolling through people, covering four games, by more than 10 points out of their five, the fifth being against Appalachian State, which I'm clearly okay with. And then I've got Ohio by six and a half at Northern Illinois. How this game is not more than a touchdown completely baffles me. I'm going to go with a couple weeknight games. SMU minus 11 and a half against an East Carolina team that doesn't have the physicality to slow the game down. I'm going to go with West Virginia minus three at Houston. Um, again, fading those new Big 12 teams, fading Houston in the second half. And finally, I'm going to take BYU Road Dog plus five and a half at Bet Rivers uh, at TCU. Uh, again, a little situational spot against TCU with the quarterback out and with BYU coming off a uh, bye. Looking for, uh, looking for. We've been, we've been, we've been trying to manifest five and two or four and two, but we uh, we hit five and one last week. Felt good about that. Hopefully, that positive variance keeps going and we keep getting those winners, Douglas. Uh, but uh, I think that's all we've got for this week. So until next week, I'm I'm your host Parker Fleming uh, uh, for Douglas Farmer. This has been Never Punt, Comma Never Parlay, part of Hit the Books HQ and the Hammer. We'll see you next week.